Welcome, Kings, to the NFL Week 4 Market Outlook. We didn't do our NFL Sunday Tilt this past week. We do want to do a little bit of a recap, what our picks were for Week 3, how we performed, and do a little bit of a rehash of what we saw from Week 3, and also introduce a few of our drive quality scores. Then we'll look at the consensus market rankings, see how adjustments have been made following week three, and then we'll get into the week four slate. Our week three circuit picks, we went three and two. Last week we went three and two, we opened with four and one. So now we're sitting at 10 and five through three weeks. Not bad, but I was left with a little bit of a bad taste because we were three and one. Yeah. Going into that Sunday night game, we had the Niners versus the Broncos, and the Niners were winning the entire game. And then Russell Wilson and Denver put together one last final drive, but it was an ugly game. So we had the Falcons, which was a winner. We had the Bills, which was a loser. We had the Lions at plus six. They were winning pretty much the whole game until the fourth quarter, really unwound. So our drive quality score does show the Vikings justifiably winning that game by a full touchdown. So something that we want to keep in mind moving that forward. Goes to show the what time weighted the time weighted average, right? That the lines were comfortably winning the game. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we should be discounting the Vikings fourth quarter. Like they earned those points. And those fourth quarter points count just as much as the first, second and third quarter points, even if the lines were winning for most of them. When we were doing our live stream, live betting the games, we we're trying to source some Vikings exposure late in that fourth quarter, yeah. because that's already been a criticism. Something that a lot of people were worried about is can they close games? We know they can come back and put in some backdoor covers, but can they then close it out? Do they have the maturity to do that? Do they have the talent yeah. and the execution to do that? We had Rams. Rams. That was a nice one. Ended up being a little bit closer than we would have wanted for comfort. But our drive quality score here, 26 to 14. So justifiably covering it. The Rams were clearly the better team. And then our last pick was the Niners. One of the things that I do want to be careful about around the narrative around the Niners moving forward is I feel like there's a lot of people now, oh, let's upgrade the Niners because they have Jimmy G. And then, oh, I forgot, Jimmy G sucks. Yeah, people have also seemed to forget that Jimmy G does this every two or three games, right? This is perfectly in the range of outcomes. Yes. That doesn't mean that this is going to be his new norm and this is gonna be his new average. No, he's always been this way. And it's gonna fall somewhere along the distribution and this one happens to be on the left tail. This isn't a new normal, this is the old normal. Exactly. Yeah, and we got bad Jimmy G. Still early in the campaign, these are the types of things that can happen with him and there were certainly other mistakes throughout that game where the Niners shot themselves in their own foot it wasn't certainly just falling all on Jimmy G's shoulders but let's grade our handicaps here so starting at the top Falcons so we had them at the plus one came close in the end with a final drive by the Seahawks but I think the Falcons are as good as we thought they were yeah, their offense is legitimately good. Second or third in success rate on early downs. They're third in success rate and second in early down success rate. They have a legitimate offense. I don't know how good Arthur Smith is as a coach, but he's a brilliant play designer. Things are getting open. Like they have weapons. Drake London's good. Kyle Pitts is good. Uh, Mariota's ability to, to run the ball opens up just a, a whole new dimension for the offense. One of the things that I'm really enjoying so far through three weeks of football is so many 
of our off-season evaluations and things that we were talked about in our preseason previews are really coming to fruition. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of kind of commentators out there now, even on the Raiders, like scratching their heads. Oh man, like we knew that they were gonna regress, but man, they look really bad. Oh man, the Falcons, they got some weapons here. They could potentially be a pretty explosive team. This was all there. So it's really good to see a lot of that off-season due diligence paying off, helping yeah. our bankrolls, putting us in a strong position here. So I would grade this pick the Falcons as like a B plus. One, because it was still a little bit coin flippy in the end. Yeah. Uh, Time-weighted average margin, one point. The time-weighted average win probability, 52%. Our adjusted drive quality score, winning by less than a point. And it really did come down to the final drive by the Seahawks. Ended up not scoring, but they easily could have because the Falcons defense is trash. We also like to talk about two-sided bets here. So I think we know the Falcons side. I think we just maybe a little bit underestimated the Seahawks. Like they're a disaster and Atlanta's just gonna roll over them. But I don't think that part of the take was right. All right I wanna hear yours on Buffalo. So we really liked Bills. I was re-watching our game trade live stream to see how we were assessing the game as it was going on. And yeah. the conviction and the love for the Bills to roll in that game only was picking up strength as that game was going on yeah and then kind of just fell on their faces yeah it's somewhere it's going to be in a b minus every time red zone panned to that game it was another bill being parted off with an injury or being helped off the field number one we didn't have when we made the circuit pick we didn't have information about the bill secondary yes exactly in fact one of the headline images i had put together was highlighting the bills and how we thought the bills were likely going to probably crush the dolphins but yeah, yeah. that was way before a yes. lot of all that news started to really right. pick up. That's an important part in creating this handicap. But also, even still, with the Dolphins, 21 points by our drive pod. It's not like they lit the world on fire. It was just that the Bills offense didn't really move the ball as well as we thought they would. The Bills did a, a good job marching five yards at a time, but that's not the offense they're trying to run. They're trying to have an explosive offense hitting Diggs and Davis deep. I still like the bet, but I think there were better options. One of the variables that did come out that really impacted the game which I feel like we didn't really discuss. We knew about it, but never really brought attention to it was the weather. Early in September, in Miami, in the sun, like that could just introduce additional uncertainty yeah. that could mitigate some of your conviction. Yeah. And so I think that should have probably would have added even more ammunition to be like, we like the bills, we're comfortable with the six, we know it's a lot, but where is their other opportunity in the slate? And where that other opportunity could, potentially could have been is we didn't make the Ravens a pick, but you really like the Ravens. You talked about the Ravens. You like Ravens alt line and a couple other derivative bets in that game, all of which ended up cashing. Yeah. That was one that we ultimately left off the board because there was some fishy line movement. We knew that there was like some generally sharper, smart money taking the other side of the bet. But nonetheless, we think that we're just as sharp or just as smart as anyone else out there. So we can't discount our own handicaps. And I think that was something that you were even talking about. Like, I yeah. don't care what anyone else really thinks. Yeah. I like the Ravens, especially at two and a half. I'm like, the Ravens have got to be a pick here. Like they were my highest conviction play of the weekend. Yeah. The reverse line mood of anything was a signal to buy. Like I, I knew where the, the Patriots love was coming from and it was a fundamental difference that I disagreed with. Oh, the Ravens are like too reliant on explosive plays. Like the Patriots, the Belichick defensive wizardry is gonna step up here. No, I'm fading those angles. 
Right. And it was a, a real missed opportunity. One of the things I really like that you called out though, was when we were on the live stream, live betting the game, we were talking about how the game was closer than the final score because yeah. the Patriots are moving the ball. And if Mac Jones doesn't throw a few interceptions, then this could be like much closer. But then you called me out. Yeah. And totally justifiably, which is that was part of the handicap. Yeah. Was that Mac Jones was going to make those mistakes. And that was one of the reasons why you were comfortable with the Ravens. And then that played out. Yeah. Can't say if he didn't do that. Well, I was pricing that in. That was yeah. part of what I wanted to see. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. The Ravens aggression is exactly what would cause Mac Jones trouble without a coaching staff. Like that was the handicap. Lions, I'll give Lions an A minus. One of the things that gave us more conviction was our drive quality model was telling yeah. us that the Lions were number one offense in the league and that there was a lot of love out there for the Lions. And I think if you just took a market perspective, you might see maybe there's too much love for the Lions. Lions still aren't necessarily a good team, and maybe this is something that we want to avoid. But at the six, they played the Vikings tough last year, and seeing that from our models, which I don't think, even the people that love the Lions weren't pricing them as having the number one offense. And a yeah. lot of that came and played itself out on the field, especially over the first three and a half quarters. We're up yeah. by two touchdowns for a lot of that game. Time-weighted average margin, almost a full touchdown. Time-weighted win probability, almost 65%. So in control, but it just simply didn't have the maturity to close that game. I'm with you there only because I'm like happy. We really trusted the numbers here, right? That didn't feel good. It didn't feel good back in the Lions. You know, this offense is legit. And then we got Rams. I would give Rams uh, another A minus. This was another line that was moving against our handicap. It was like five, then four and a half and four, three. But even on our Sunday night tilt last week, we were betting the Rams right off the bat. It seemed like a screaming buy. I wish I would have seen the Rams maybe execute a little bit better than they ultimately did. But I think this was another strong two-sided handicap in that yeah. the Rams are better than we think that maybe the market's pricing. And maybe at this stage, at least, the Cardinals are still worse than the market is pricing. And our drive quality here has the Rams still winning the game comfortably 26 14. Yeah, two-sided. Handicap is precisely why I'd give this one an A. I think it played out almost exactly as we anticipated. This is not a three and a half point spread separating these two teams. Rams are a lot better than their week one showing against the Bills. They're still a solid team. Are they the same Super Bowl team? Probably not, but they're still really good. And the Cardinals defense is just hapless. And like their offense without Hopkins and their weapons is really nothing special. I love that we avoided Eagles Washington. Yep. That was the game that we talked about last week. Didn't have really a super strong handicap on it. Yeah. You might be tempted by the Washington plus six and a half at home division game. Wanting to fade a little bit of the extreme hype on the Eagles. Yeah. But that was a nice layoff. And then that Niners Broncos game. That was another really ugly one. Again, certainly within the broader potential outcomes that you should be expecting by betting on Jimmy G and the 49ers. But I would say being on the road, taking him as the favorite, we bet the Niners at the plus one and a half early on the Sunday night tilt last week, which that did cash, but taking at the minus one and a half for Circa, I'm gonna say C plus. C plus? I don't, I don't think it wasn't a great pick. I'm actually higher on this one. I think it's a BB plus only because I think we nailed the Broncos. They're still being priced as like an offseason team, but they really have shown nothing. And I think like the Niners, like we got to recognize that like these 
Garoppolo sinkers are built in and like I knew it was a possibility, but I still think the Niners like they were terrible. There's nothing like more to say on that, but I think the, the, the like fundamental process behind it was perfectly sound. Although I do recognize for it, like I also was definitely selling the Broncos defense. Perhaps they're better than I thought. In which case, maybe it was a little bit worse of a grade, but I actually think the process was perfectly sound here. Let's look at the market power rankings. Have you looked at this yet? No. In detail, okay. Who do you think is the worst team right now? The worst team in the NFL. According to market perception. Bears. No, they're two ones. Jets. Jets. Downgraded four spots. I'm oh. not taking anything away from the Jets. Well, I'm going to back him against the Steelers. I'm excited. I think that this is really valuable when you're looking at these consensus market power rankings, which is a model that equal weights the power rankings from ESPN, PFF, 538, Football Outsiders, and InPredict. And we got Bills still at number one, even after the loss. In fact, even a two-spot upgrade which is, we shouldn't think that the market is, has a more negative view yeah. of the Bills. I think everyone realizes, man, this team is beat up. They play still pretty well. And it was just a head scratcher of a loss. Yeah. So they put up like 90 offensive plays. They probably should have won the game. Our drive quality says they should have won the game and the market's not downgrading them accordingly. Yeah, what's surprising here is I would think that the market would fill in the gap by saying, oh, the Dolphins have gotten a lot better. And that's what's a little surprising to me, is that actually there's been no change. Uh, yeah, those two things actually match up well in the sense of most people are coming away from that game saying Bill should have won. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Bengals were fourth last week, so still very elevated, even coming off two ugly games. Gonna have to do some reverse attribution analysis here. Now I want to continue to update and improve this chart so it has more detail around what's driving some of this. How are the changes being made across these inputs? Seeing who's hot, much higher than others. I also want to introduce like a standard deviation factor to really see how across our different inputs, you know, is there broad, consistent consensus views on these teams, or is there an average, but that average is built and inputted through a bunch of volatile numbers yeah fact. and there's actually not a lot of agreement yeah. across the board on and it. there's also a weird interplay of models that are yes strictly elo based and prior based which just adds a little bit of weird numbers early in the season so we got bills bucks packers eagles chiefs in the top five and then we got ravens rams Bengals, niners still a top 10 team and then the Dolphins route out that top 10. Yeah. And as Arjun pointed out, Chargers still do seem very high. They fell four spots, but are still at 11. Yeah. Brown seems way too high. At 12, really? moved up 10. Yes. I don't think 12? so. 12? 12. I don't up. think so. Look at the teams right below them. Okay. Jaguars, I agree with. What other teams are you putting ahead of the Browns? Just from 13, 14, 15, 16. These, I disagree with a lot of these. That's what I'm specifically. Like, I the think, Broncos, Raiders. I think in our head, what constitutes a top 15 team from the previous five years is not true of this year. There's a ton of uncertainty. I think part of it, it has to do with like quarterback play uh, and that there are fewer good quarterbacks. And like, we're really seeing the decline of Brady and Rogers before our very eyes. Yeah. And also like the game is changing a little bit. But I was thinking about over the weekend, just perhaps we're cycling through passing back to rushing a bit this season. This is the beauty of football. The things we thought were true and definitively true three years ago, two years ago, last year, 
are extremely fluid and can really change. And I think we like really need to build in a level of uncertainty of, okay, what worked in 2020 and like we thought we were entering this great elite quarterbacks are all that matters. I think there's starting to be the first sign of a hole in that argument. And that like the teams and the style of the brands, this is why I think it ties into the brands, which is like their style of football might be perfect for 2022. Of just teams are, it's lower scoring, protect the ball, run the ball effectively. And that's a recipe for success. I do think over the course of time, scoring's going to go up, not just because of like defensive adjustments, but because of refs and just the broader underlying league pressure to make maybe some of these games higher scoring. These are just yeah. the kind of like some of the practical considerations of the NFL yeah. being a business. And 13 to 10 games are not exciting. Doesn't drive ratings. But going back to the Browns, who have the Browns played? Three of probably some of the Steelers, worst teams in the Steelers, league. Steelers, Jets, Panthers. Yeah. So I don't know that there's like a ton to take away from that. That's and they didn't blow any of those teams out. They yeah. didn't even win convincingly versus any of them. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a point well taken. I just like, I don't see, the fact that the Raiders are 15th for me is crazy. Well, that's why I just love keep selling the Raiders. No, And the fact that even you were willing to potentially lean into them last week is suggestive that there's people out there still trying to buy the dip on the Raiders when I think the Raiders are legitimately probably a bottom six team. Yeah, they are. Especially yeah. if they keep getting injured. Panthers, another team, really high. Yeah. Really well, this, high. Like you see a major discrepancy. Are they 30th in PFF? PFF's yeah. the third column? PFF, PF, yeah. PFF is the outlier here, whereas mostly everyone else has them as that middle of the road team. Here's where they're, I think their ranking comes from. Their defense has been amazing. And if you're... That's how they started off last season, too. Yeah. And like, even last year, they didn't get a lot of turnovers, but like they're, they're gonna be top 10 in yards per play allowed as they were last year. The defense is legitimately really good, but I think that actually helps explain why they're 18th. Because if you're like equal weighting offense and defense, then you might end up with like a, an 18th because their offense might be 29th, but their defense is seventh or whatever. Yeah. Like, honestly, the teams that are too low to me are the Falcons and the Lions. I'm it's conflicted hard. with the Falcons as yeah. the market starts to buy into the Falcons. I just want to articulate our offseason take here, which is like no shot for upside, but real shot at six wins. Oh yeah. That was the take. There's no really shit bucket teams. Like there has been the last couple of years where there was like two, three teams, like. You can't bet on them. They're just going to put in a stinker almost week in and week out, totally yeah. incompetent. And then usually even those incompetent teams get beat up and then they become even worse. Yeah. And then you got like Glennon at quarterback, yeah. those types of giant teams that just look absolutely putrid. But I don't think, yeah, there's not a lot of good teams either yeah. though. Yeah. And like everyone's just kind of middle of the pack. No one's really surprised into the upside meaningfully. No one's really surprised into the downside meaningfully. And that's a lot of parity this year and can make for a lot of really good betting opportunities. There are so many of these middling teams and it's going to be hard to make a really bullish case unless something really changes for any of these, even from the Niners downward. It's an important inflection point to say the good teams, we should have conviction that they're a lot better than the average ones. And that matters a lot more in a year like this because the Broncos could be seven and four and the market can react a certain way. But like that seven and four record can be extremely misleading because the market, if its inputs are 
win, wins and losses, or even like the same analytical stuff that we all cite, if that's just being propped up by, by easy matchups, like by the best teams, they're gonna be the exceptions to the rule of this parody in the NFL. Okay, let's go into week four. Start at Thursday, Dolphins, Bengals. This was like four and a half, moved down to four, now sitting at three and a half. The narrative around this game is the Dolphins coming off a total grinder versus the Bills. And then Tua's status, I think, is still up in the air. I'm seeing a lot of Bengals love out there, despite the line actually moving against that. What are you seeing, and how do you see this game? It really all depends on Tua, I think. Does it? Yeah, I think we even talked about this on the live stream. I think there is a noticeable difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Tua, <laughs> which is that this offense is based off timing and accuracy leading to yards after the catch. And I don't think Bridgewater is as decisive in his decisions, which throws off the entire rhythm of the offense. Plus a short week of prep for a potential new right. quarterback. And then it's like short week of prep. Historically, Thursday night, first year coaches on Thursday night football are a disaster. But like it's Zach Taylor. I think that's mitigated on the, uh, the coaching front. Look, I think three and a half is probably about right, but I still, just because of the way the Bengals are built, and I don't think the Dolphins have the secondary to stop the Bengals, their alt line is still gonna be attractive to me, only because they have such a propensity to generate explosive plays. And we haven't even seen Jamar Chase break off a big place. And like, those are gonna come. And I don't think the Dolphins have the talent to stop him. And kudos to Sauce Garner last week for shutting down Jamar Chase. I don't think the Dolphins can do yeah. the same. I don't think the Bengals were nearly as explosive as they probably should have been or as projected versus the Jets. Yeah. I know you were really disappointed that over the last 18 minutes of that game uh, basically went scoreless. That was a yeah, that was a tough beat for sure. The Bengals did not feel the need to push the needle. They stopped playing after the first half. Burrow had 200 yards in the first half, but they only had 150 yards in total offense in the second half and like 90 passing yards or something like that. Dolphins, everyone's been seduced by that Ravens performance which again was particularly like that fourth quarter. But, Until that point, they had still only yeah. scored 14. They didn't do anything versus Patriots and they didn't really do anything versus depleted Bills defense. That's kind of why I almost wanted the market to overreact to their win against the against the Bills, but they didn't. Yeah. Like, the Bengals didn't move. I think this Bengals are pass for sure. Yeah, and I don't think you bet three and a half here. If they're winning on the backs of big plays. So leaning into Bengals all line. Yeah, leaning into the Bengals all line. That's the only play here. Vikings at Saints or in London, Vikings Saints. Vikings minus two and a half currently. I think this was three, three and a half, maybe even four. Come down. Again, in London, such a crazy X factor that could be really difficult to handicap how these teams will necessarily adjust to it. Saints are banged up. The Saints offense had one or two explosive plays versus the Panthers last week, but otherwise couldn't do anything coming off the back of not doing anything versus the Bucks. I thought I liked the Vikings. I don't like the between the London element. This just feels like a real fluky game. I can't back. I can't back either side here. I think that reflects the broader betting community as well. But I think there was this overshoot of elevated yeah. expectations for the Vikings coming off that game versus the Packers, where they still only scored like what, 23 points. 20 points, yeah. yeah. And then a stinker versus the Eagles, and then in a game where they were getting beat by double digits by the Lions for most of that game. Yeah, we've learned a lot about a bunch of teams through three weeks. These are not two of them. I think we need more time to see what these teams are. Titans at Colts. Titans plus three and a half. The Colts look 
miserable, even though they beat the Chiefs, I'm certainly not changing my evaluation of them. They were gifted a touchdown right off the bat to start that game. That changes the entire course of the game. Mm -hmm. When you have a fluke touchdown like that, it just like alters it, it throws it into a strange game script. It's not the same as like a fumble in the second quarter. And so like, what did you see from the Titans in the Raiders? I know you, because obviously you didn't even want to touch Titans. Yeah. The offense was clicking. They did it even beyond the scripted plays. Now it, it trailed off yeah. near the end of the game, but it was I'm beyond willing, the scripted yeah. plays at least. I'm willing to accept that the Titans are going to be fine. I don't think they're going to be great. I don't, but they're not a bottom five offense. Like they get a trail and Burks going They run with Henry, like, Tannehill's still somewhat of the quarterback he was running somewhat of the same offense that was like generally successful. I think it's a major step back from what they were. Yes. But I don't think it's this bottom five offense that I thought was possible. I'm I don't like, want you to actually back off too strongly. I'm not backing off. Okay, so I should clarify. I'm not backing off. Because that's first the Raiders still. I'm not backing off too strong. I've seen the case for like they sure. can be competent. Okay. So does three and a, is three and a half for Skulls tracked here? No. I think we have our off-season thesis right on both of these teams, but I don't think we know the extent of it yet. This is another one where a lot of the market, I feel like, is, man, the Colts look bad. Maybe Matt, <laughs> maybe Wentz wasn't their problem. Man, Matt Ryan looks like Wentz 2.0. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bears at the Giants. This is, an, this is an even uglier. Bears plus three, plus 100 currently. I can't imagine touching this game bad team versus bad team fluke shit can happen and you just end up losing because someone makes its bonehead display i could certainly see the giants are in where's, command yeah. up by four fumble sack where's the fumble happening where's the jones fumble happening and where's the fields interception happening that's what's <laughs> happening like this okay so bills on the road minus three versus the ravens i saw it was three and a half i think it was four and a half maybe to open you love the bills i know but you also like the ravens mm -hmm. and now you're getting the ravens plus three at home yeah or is the separation between these teams too still too much to even justify buying the ravens at home plus three i think it depends on the bills injuries the bills and ravens offenses right now are about similar to quick check out our drive quality stuff yeah 32 for the bills are averaging 32 points earn points and the Ravens 31, but the defenses are on totally different levels, right? Like the Bills defense is one of the few that will consistently slow down a defense. And the Ravens are just like bleeding an explosive place right now. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're just bleeding them. Mac Jones was tearing them to shreds, but I'm, I don't think the Bills are going to be healthy. And I'm not sure what to make of the defense. And if this game turns into a shootout and it's like, each offense playing their game, I think these are about equal. We'll also say, if you take the Ravens in the spot, I think you almost have to take the over also. Right. I like the Ravens are playing more aggressive, certainly after that week one game versus the Jets. Yeah. But if the Bills just came off and they beat the Dolphins and the Bills are 3-0 and the Bills are just as good as we thought and the Ravens played a close game versus the Patriots. Yeah, Using but, our drive quality as a state of reality. Yeah. Like the way this game plays out, it's really a matter of, can the Bills defense slow down the Ravens offense? Mm -hmm. That's the matchup. But I see a lot of game scripts. Even though you're speaking a lot of uncertainty and kind of playing both sides, in fact, as I hear you speak, I like the Bills more. Okay. I like the minus three. 
Yeah. Chargers minus five at Texans. Obviously, it's very well documented. Chargers are just injured across the board. Just tons of negative sentiment, but still five point road favorites at a bottom three or bottom four team. Now, they're not terrible like they were a couple of years ago. Yeah. But can they cover this five? They beat the Chargers last year convincingly in Houston. Pulled away. I think they ended up winning that game by 20. Can yeah. you bet the Texans? We need to pump the brakes. Bigly pump the brakes on the Chargers selling. Yes. Joey Bosa hurts. Yes. Rashawn Slater hurts. They still have an elite quarterback. Who's banged up? Okay, like they had a clunker of a game. Again, like this happens every year. It's like you can't get caught in the variance of an NFL season and just like single game results. This is all built in. Like the Chargers are going to have games like this. And it was like, is Herbert playing? Is Herbert not playing? Like these are the distractions that cause these types of games. And it just like, and it spirals when your players get hurt. And it's like, oh, it's all coming down. And then they bounce back and Herbert has a great game and they win 31-17. Keenan Allen's likely going to be back this week. He practiced today. What we said about in our NFC West preview, Justin Herbert's still really good. Under pressure, not under pressure. The quality of your offensive line matters less when you have yeah. Justin Herbert. You can overcome it when you have a Justin Herbert. And like, I think it's important not to just pounce on the cell train. My concern about the five would be that to your point, one thing that you have to price in with the Chargers that is they're just going to put in some really questionable performances from time to time. And one of the things we talked about why we liked Jags last week was this was a good two-sided handicap in the sense of it wasn't just about the Jags plus seven, but it's yeah. about not, you can't take really the Chargers minus seven because yeah. even if they are the better team and even if they are winning in relatively dominant fashion, are they going to still be able to close the game? Are they going to continue to yeah. be aggressive? I agree with you. The market has been very aggressive in selling the Chargers. And from a sentiment perspective, I think it's maybe overshooting. I feel like there's a lot of people like ripping up their AFC West and Super Bowl tickets. Yeah. And that's premature. Yeah. But I don't think the market sold off enough, maybe in the betting market on a micro perspective. I wish this was less than five. I think this launch should be seven. Seahawks plus four at the Lions. I think this opened up closer to that touchdown. Yeah, plus six and a half. Injuries, yeah, injuries, and, injuries. and Lions injuries have certainly pushed this lower. This still seems like too high of a number for the Lions, given their current stage of maturation. Can the Lions cover a number like this? Have to win in convincing fashion. Can they prevent the backdoor type covers. Yeah, it seems unwise until we see it. I'm willing to accept, no, this could be a legitimately great offense. There are two main concerns here. The first is that the Seahawks are not the train wreck that I anticipated, I think. Like they're gonna show up in spots. And the second is like, I, the Lions have played so well, but their production has also really flowed through only a couple guys, right? Like DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown have been absolutely integral pieces to the Lions offense. Both of those guys are out. Another thing is when the Seahawks are playing at home, they could potentially be a yeah. different team. And so far that's the split that we've seen. I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit beats them handily, but I'm also not willing to, there's too much uncertainty. Jets at Steelers currently plus three 
I think this was plus four and a half, four. I already put in a couple bets for this week. I bet Jets four, four and a half. Yeah. Zach Wilson might play. He's playing. He is playing. Yeah. So that creates potential higher ceiling. I'm not as down on the Steelers, I feel, as the broader market is. I feel like they're not that bad. They just hang around and they're not good enough to maybe close out games. But I definitely like the Jets at the four and a half, four. Now it's down to three. I like the Jets here a lot. The power rankings have them as 32nd best. I don't think that's close to true. And I think there are certain times when you can take upside, like betting on a long-term thesis in one game. Here's the Jets take to me. I think their like secondary has been tremendous. Like Arshin just did some cool stuff. But, like their cornerback trio has been great. They're generating pressure off the D line. We've talked over and over about the weapons being really good. We love the offense. Michael Forrest done a great job as the offensive coordinator. All of the right buttons are in place. If Zach Wilson can be anything, if it's just like marginally okay, the Jets will be good. And like your room for error playing against Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers is so. Like, it's so high. The thing is, Zach Wilson can introduce a lot of those errors, especially yeah. in the first game, especially versus a Steelers team that has historically been, like, very opportunistic. But this is exactly the spot where I'm willing to buy the variance because the margin for error is so high. Jaguars plus six and a half versus the Eagles. These are two, obviously, red-hot teams, not just on the field, but in the market. Everyone's buying every type of exposure you can on Jags and Eagles right yeah. now. This is still a very high line. So this open seven, that was the one bet that I already put three units on Jags at the seven as that yeah. came out. But I'm surprised that it's actually still hanging around at this six and a half. I thought that this would continue to drip lower over the course of the week. So still Wednesday night, limits are gonna go up across the board generally tomorrow. So maybe we'll see some of these lines start to tighten up a little bit, but I would expect this to continue to move lower, even despite all the love on the Eagles. This is a pretty hefty number. Yeah, this is a tough one. First, everything we said about Jalen Hurts earlier, I think still applies. Still true. Yeah. Still true. I think six and a half is... Zero points in the second half versus Washington. Doug Peterson revenge game too. Also if that's true. the thing. <laughs> Why not? But the, I mean, to finish off the Hurts point, like the six and a half fundamental value aside, like if the Eagles offense is firing on all cylinders and they're scoring 37 points, the six doesn't mean anything. And that's certainly the case of Jalen Hurts MVP. But I don't think that's the likely case. And I think the Jaguars are better than people think. We talked about this like tier thing and that's like tier three to tier two, but they're yeah. like, oh, the worst of the AFC South. I don't think people are ready to move them into tier two. And I think they're probably there. Everything we said in the off season about yeah. like, uh, the environment being horrible last year, blah, blah, blah. Everyone said that, but no, you can sometimes project leaps from quarterbacks, especially someone like Trevor Lawrence, who was a generational prospect, right? Like not the generational prospect that comes around every two years, but like the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. We all knew he was going number one overall from the first time he took a college snap at Clemson. Yes, he's going to get better. That's what's going to happen. And it shouldn't be too crazy to think, oh, maybe Trevor Lawrence can be a top five quarterback. That was always in the realm of possibilities. One of the things that I talked about as well, and I think is playing out very nicely here, is a lot of these wins too, and the Jags are scoring points, sure, but there's no like highlight reel performances thus far from the offense or even Trevor Lawrence. And this is really being driven by the defense. The defense has been playing fabulous. 
Yeah, they're generating pressure. Uh, I saw a cool tweet, I don't remember who it was from. Uh, it was Ben Brown, I think. That like on non-blitzes, the Jaguars are generating the fifth most pressure. Meaning ex like excluding plays specifically designed to generate pressure. Like they're winning four-man rushes. That means a lot. You can cover up weaknesses in the secondary if you're generating pressure with just your four guys. And like, that's that I think is a great point that the market's not pressing it. I think this is a good demonstration too of the market's actually hotter on the Eagles than they are on the Jaguars. Not fully ready to trust the Jaguars yeah. or even a decent team yet. More so than just, they're not bad. We know for sure yeah. they're not bad, but they're just average. And the Eagles are elite. Yeah. Because the Jags crushing the Chargers got a little bit of, it lost some of its luster because of all the things that are going on around the Chargers. One of the things that I talked about last week was like, if the Jaguars can somehow squeeze out this victory, that's when the Jags party is really going to get started. And in fact, that. it hasn't. Yeah. Because then destroying the Chargers on both sides of the ball has an asterisk next to it. Yeah. And that, I think, creates opportunity here. Oh, I love uh, it. Okay, Commanders, Washington football team, the Redskins. Am I going to have to bleep that out? Plus three and a half at Dallas, how bad is Washington? How bad is Carson Wentz? Like, sacked five, six times the first 20 minutes of the game? Yeah, I mean, we talk about this, we talk about this every week. It's just a Wentz adventure. But now you, you know, got Micah Parsons, this defense of line and this Cowboys this pressure. Is, this is exactly the spot where he hits. Terry McLaurin for a 60 yard touchdown and Jahan Dotson for a 45 yard touchdown and the Commanders win 24-20. It's Washington plus three and a half, all right? Still division game versus two. I had the pressure that the Cowboys are gonna get on Wentz, I feel like has to be, is the dominant narrative yeah. in this game. There is no positive sentiment on Washington. They put in two miserable, like, unwatchable we're betting, performances. So I completely agree with that. I wish there was a way to counter that exact argument, but there isn't. Like, I'm not sure that we're necessarily capitalizing on it by betting the spread or the money line. But that's the thing is, if you're trying to play this rhythmic performance of Wentz, maybe this isn't quite the right time yet. And I'm certainly not, I'm willing to also not try to catch a falling knife on this Washington offense, yeah. who are now back-to-back -back performances, hasn't done anything. I wanna see at least one more decent performance from Wentz to be able to say, all right, let's try to catch that rhythmic performance from him at another time, but not necessarily have to try to do it here. Browns at the Falcons, Browns minus one. I was looking, listening to Tejan Arjun's podcast this is like one of their best bets of the week. And I think I really strongly agree with their handicap on this as well. You got the Falcons, miserable defense, certainly against the run. And the Browns are certainly one of the best running teams. This line opened, I think it was three. I certainly saw it was two and a half. And this has been coming all the way down now to pick them. The betting market right now is saying they're really buying into this Falcons offense is what this yeah. is saying. And I'm certainly willing to fade that I do really like the Browns at one. I already bet Brown. I'm excited to listen to, to take the points tomorrow, but and Arjun was you know, pitching me on the Browns as well. Uh, but like you said, even if the 
Browns are propped up by the weak opponents. That isn't changing this week. I like the Falcons are a particularly strong team. And again, this is this is like our biggest point of disagreement as better is this like you're willing to make the bet specifically countering what the market says. And I'm a little less comfortable, but I think you're spot on here. Plus, just from a manager selection perspective, okay, you're not even talking about anything relevant to the game. Okay, I'm just talking about I'm listening to other sharp evaluators who make predictions looking at their broader betting performance. And one of the things that Tej and Arjun were lamenting on their pod is that they're, I think, 0-3 to start the season on their best bets. I'm ready to buy the dip. I know that they're sharp, they're smart, they know what they're doing, and I've gotten some bad luck, I'm ready to buy the dip. For that yeah. reason alone, plus there's the on-field broader fundamental. Yeah. yeah, look, if we're riding a Tajan Arjun, then I, I have to uh, have to join ship. But I think on the field stuff also supports yeah. uh, the Browns being able to run their offense and controlling this game. All right, Cardinals plus one and a half at Carolina. The market, I feel like, keeps wobbling back and forth on Arizona. Oh, they're good. Oh, they're bad. Oh, I love Kyler Murray. Oh, he sucks. It's either Kyler Murray's so good he can overcome everything bad on that team, or Cliff Kingsbury's such a bad coach that he mitigates all yeah, the positives. It's a constant back and forth swing of this narrative. I think the market's still too high on the Panthers. I like Cardinals at plus one and a half. Is Baker Mayfield going to be able to take advantage of some of these that's, secondary weaknesses? That's the central question. Is, is the Cardinals defense just so bad that any quarterback can take advantage? Right where it's like Baker Mayfield's going to have his best season game because he's playing the, the Cardinals. Which side is the quarter force here? Is it the Panthers offense being so bad or is it the Cardinals offense being so bad that the Panthers offense will be able to have their best off offensive game of the season. Arizona shut down Raiders in the second half of that game. And also, they didn't get their doors blown off by the Rams. Our, just our, our drive quality stuff. The Rams-Cardinals final score was closer than our drive quality model suggested it was. But I, the market is also seeing that. Maybe it was just such an ugly performance. Again, no touchdowns, no sparkly plays from Kyler Murray. I just haven't seen anything to buy from the Panthers. McCaffrey is banged up. He didn't practice today. This is one where the matchup trumps the fundamentals for me because the matchup itself introduces a lot of uncertainty, which is like, I agree with you. Cardinals are a lot better of team than the Panthers. But the way this game plays out gives me a little bit of pause. Okay. Broncos plus two and a half at Las Vegas. Raiders, this is not the market abandoning ship on the Raiders still. No. And our market consensus rankings also demonstrate that fact. Still, they've been downgraded, but marginally, but still a middle of the road team at 15. And if we think that this team should be ranked 25th or worse, maybe at the time you could still potentially lean into the Broncos here. I'm not sure what to make the Broncos defense. Like are they, was that a Jimmy G stinker? Like, they haven't played anyone. They didn't give up any points to the Texans. They gave up 17 points to the Seahawks. There's nothing to suggest they're going to be bad. Broncos plus two and a half reduced juice right now. So this might move to three. It's even more, I think at three, that might yeah. be the clincher. Yeah, I'd take that for the Broncos. And just from the way this matchup plays, like Broncos defense slows down Raiders offense. Raiders defense is a train wreck. If there's any spot for Wilson to take advantage, it's this one. And like, as Arjun was saying, their entire secondary is hurt. Mm -hmm. Nate Hobbs is their only good corner and he's down. Yeah, and I've seen, again, it was just literally one drive. 
There's also but versus the Niners, that could be a sneaky buy signal to say, because that was like a vintage Russell Wilson drive versus the Niners at the end of that game, moving around in the pocket, having the right pocket awareness, having the right touch on the ball, finding the receiver down the field, the types of things that he hasn't been doing so far this season. But I think there's also a lot of negative sentiment around the Broncos. The things that I was talking about off season, I feel like is starting to catch up now, yeah. just through first three weeks of the season. And I don't think that our negative narrative on the Raiders, that hasn't caught up yet. Yeah, I'm also even thinking towards the off season where we said about Broncos, which is it's gonna take, it's gonna take yes. time for True. Wilson. Yes, exactly. yeah. That's one thing. And the second is, I really think Jerry Judy is the key to this offense. Like he's the secondary weapon that is like, so essential to the Broncos playing well. And he missed basically all of week two uh, and played only half the snaps in week three yeah. coming back from injury. Yeah. Like he should be healthier. I think this is the spot where the Broncos offense comes alive. Yeah, I think this is definitely one of my favorite picks. Patriots, nine and a half, plus nine and a half at Green Bay. Brian I think Hoyer's it opened back. 10 and a half. Brian Hoyer is probably gonna be, I think he's quarterback, Mac Jones injury, gonna be out for the next couple of weeks at minimum. I don't get this. Is there something else that I'm missing here? Because this seems way too high. The Packers offense has not looked good at all. Obviously played a great defense versus yeah. the Bucks, but they did look terrible versus the Vikings. Then had a decent bounce back versus the Bears, one of the worst teams in the league. And maybe say, people say, okay, the Packers are back. And I know you liked the Packers last week versus the Bucks, but again, they put in two good drives in those scripted plays and that was it. Yeah. And it was turned out to be enough. When's the last time the Patriots were plus double digits? Yeah. There's a team that like the Packers, who I don't think is scary. No. Is Brian think... Hoyer that bad? Yeah, I think that's the question. With Matt Mike Patricia Glennon off- bad? This is with Matt Patricia as his offensive coordinator and Joe Judge. The market, going back to our power rankings, has the Bucks and Packers still as the same teams from last year. Yeah, okay. So they're not playing well early in the season. Whatever. Like they're gonna they're gonna come back. And I think no, Brady and Rogers are declining and the pieces around them are starting to fall apart. I'm with you. The Packers are not so scary, but I have no idea what the Patriots offense is going to be. And like the Packers offense doesn't need to be great. But at almost 10 points, all right, it allows you a lot of uncertainty. You can budget for uncertainty with 10 unless it's going to be 21 to 0 21 to 3 the Patriots can't do anything that's a legitimate possibility for me and I think Packers defense is good if that's the case I feel like the under is a slam dunk at 40 because basically Brian Ward is going to be so bad that they don't score points yeah the under is attractive and we're talking about a big spread with a low total I think I still like the Patriots and maybe I get my face ripped off but yeah, I'm not trying to do on the Patriots. How many points do you need to take the Patriots in this matchup? 14 and a half. Oh my God. And you really hate the Patriots. Yeah. Maybe I'll take that into consideration because when you have visceral reactions too, I never saw you push back so hard as when I bet the Saints live. <laughs> and, and it turned out to be a terrible trade. And I should have listened more. All right, so Chiefs on the road, Bucks minus one. This was that three, two and a half range. So a lot of Bucks support coming in on the early part of this week. At one, is this timed by the Chiefs? Or as we talked about earlier, the Chiefs offense is not humming at minimum 
And now they're about to play potentially the best defense in the NFL on the road. Can the Bucks score enough points to beat the Chiefs? I, I love the Chiefs here. Love the Chiefs. Love the Chiefs. Wrote it up already. Oh, if he wrote it up, then that's my. Yeah. I don't love. I don't like the Bucks enough to overcome Bucks a written are, piece. Bucks are bad. They're living off like reputation from past years. Okay, what did we say in the offseason? We're we're potential. We trouble. got Bucks under. We got had Bucks under. Okay, what was potential signs of trouble? Offensive line been terrible. Okay, like well, you want to take PFF grades. You want to take like perfectly. They're thirty first in pass perfect blocks. They're like twenty third in grade. Whatever. Receivers not getting open. Seventeenth in separation before a catch. Okay, product of injury. Fine, doesn't matter. Okay, offensive coordinator. Okay, Bruce Arians gone. Okay, bad. Tom Brady another year in father time. <laughs> Stuff adds up. If you just look at their like efficiency metrics, okay, explosive plays twenty eighth, early on success twenty third, yards per play twenty fifth. You stink. <laughs> They're just bad. We've had three games in a row from the Bucks offense that it looks absolutely terrible. Delightful. Potentially Delightful. one of the worst in the NFL. Yes, they've been bad. But matched up with the best defense okay. in the NFL as well. Okay, but here's, okay. So here's the take for the defense. First off, are we so sure the defense is greater? They've played a bunch of bad opponents. Like the Saints offense did, hasn't done anything. They had a couple good quarters in garbage time against the Falcons. Packers have done nothing. Yeah, that's true. And the Cowboys were nothing special. It happened nothing special. Their offense is bad. It's legitimately bad. If the best case for the, the Bucks is to, oh, their defense is going to be good enough to stop Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes is matchup independent. And this is like what I say in the article, that like, get pressure on him. He's the best in the league against pressure. You have played good coverage. He's the best in the league against perfect coverage. He's matchup independent in that sense. Yes, they certainly played a good, their best game against the Cardinals and they were terrible last week against the Colts. But even if you just look at all their efficiency metrics, they're still top five in everything. They're going to be a good offense, even if they're like the D who cares if the defense, we don't even know if the Bucks defense is so good. Mm. And like the market is pricing in the Bucks team of old. And in week four, at least before everyone gets healthy, this team is bad, legitimately bad. You said you're writing about the Chiefs. It's written already. Okay, that's the clincher. Cause if we take all your written pieces, then we're like, Three and zero, and we have the rate. Okay, closer Rams at the Niners. Rams plus one and a half. I really like the Niners at minus one and a half. I think this opened close to three, then two and a half, and I'm like, yeah, if this gets under two, I'm gonna bet the Niners. And this is minus one and a half. Looks like it's trending to one right now. Niners minus one and a half for Juice Juice. I haven't seen anything from the Rams that would make me upgrade them over the course of the first three weeks. Nothing. If anything, they look even a little bit more pedestrian than I, even I thought. And we have Rams under already as is. There are a couple things giving me a little bit of hesitation. Number one, division games between these two are always fluky. Number two, I'm starting to get the sense that maybe part of Shanahan's offensive design was really also Mike McDaniel had a big role in that. The third is, where's Debo Samuel been? Got nothing. They haven't shown any of the explosiveness. Yes, you can make all the excuses. But ultimately, this team hasn't produced at all. Okay, so that wraps up a long slate. One of the things that's going to be really interesting live trading those early games next week is there's nine games 
on the early slate. Thanks everyone for listening. And that wraps up our NFL week four market outlook. And that's closing bell.